Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Thank you again for joining us on Budge. A few months ago, a friend of mine asked me, should we hold people accountable to substandard behavior or substandard work? My short answer and easy answer was, yes, of course we should. And then it got me thinking about all the stuff that lies below the surface of that short answer. Now I begin to feel that my answer was substandard to the substandard question. That's what we're gonna talk about today on Budge. I was sitting with a friend of mine, this was several months ago, and uh, we were having this conversation. In fact, this was right around the time last summer when we did the episode on Budge was the questions episode, and we got questions from different people. And and um, and I think, Richard, you sent a question actually we used during that, uh, during that podcast. And I had another friend then that sent a question in that we wound up chatting about in person because he lives here in Springfield where I live. And his question was this, and, and it, 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 it spun me on a whole nother thought process that that's kind of want to share with you today. So his question was this, how tolerant should leaders be of things done substandard? How tolerant should leaders be of things done substandard? Now, uh, it's a very interesting question because I know everybody on this call, your first answer and your first normal answer would be, well, not very tolerant at all. We should not We should not allow substandard behavior or substandard work or substandard anything. So no, we shouldn't be very tolerant at all. And, and that's exactly what I said. I just said, not very, not very tolerant at all. Um, and then I realized that that was a substandard answer to the substandard question. So I think it's easy in conversation to just go, yeah, no, you shouldn't be very tolerant at all and move on. And I wasn't comfortable with that. And so it really messed with me. And again, it, it, it spun me on some thought processes uh, about the qualifiers to that answer to that question. So how tolerant should leaders be of things done substandard? I, I have believed for years that in our organizations, in our lives, in our marriages, in our leadership, we need to push for excellence in everything we do. And years and years ago, I created all kinds of thoughts and, and actually did, uh, I did, did some speaking on excellence and what it means to push for excellence and what it means, what excellence pursuers actually do and, and, and what excellence pursuers have in common and all those kinds of things. And I've kind of left it alone over the years and 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 and, uh, and and not I haven't done a lot with it, but this question, when this question, when I had this conversation with my friend, this is what I begin to think about again: is if we're going to pursue excellence in our lives, in our leadership, our cultures, our organizations, uh, you know, in every part of our life, what does that even look like? And should we tolerate substandard behavior? with anybody around us. Now, again, my first answer was no. So here's another piece of the conversation. In that conversation, <clears throat> my friend referred to what's called the broken windows theory. And I don't know how familiar you are, if you ever heard of the broken windows theory or not. So I begin to kind of study this a little bit. The broken, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna briefly tell you what the broken windows theory is and, and kind of how that plays into this whole question and into my answer and my thought process on this. So this comes from a 1982 article written by two criminologists, and I believe they were in New York City at the time. 
The broken windows theory states that visible signs of disorder and misbehavior in an environment will encourage further disorder and further misbehavior. So if you if you ever if you Google this and you look at this, you're going to see Google images. You're going to see all kinds of images and 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 pictures of neighborhoods with uh, uh, dilapidated buildings with broken windows in it. And so these guys are looking and 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 they're they're studying this. They're saying, you know, in these areas of these dilapidated buildings and these neighborhoods that are run down and these buildings that are left to just crumble on their own, when there's broken windows and 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 all that stuff going on, the crime in that area seems to increase. Why is that? Well, when there are visible signs of disorder and misbehavior in an environment, it encourages further disorder and further misbehavior. That is what leads in their mind to serious crimes. So the principle was developed to explain the decay of neighborhoods, but it's often now applied to work in educational environments and cultures. Very, very interesting. This was kind of that conversation that we're having. And, and so you understand how I said when he said, well, how tolerant should they be? I said, not very tolerant. I was not happy with that answer and it messed with me. And so that's what kind of spun me on this thought process. So this further, this, this theory further states that the prevalence of disorder creates fear in the minds of the citizens who are convinced that that area is unsafe. So what happens is they withdraw, they leave. Well, when they leave and they, they, they move to another community, it further weakens the social controls that previously kept criminals in check. And once that process begins, it just continues to feed itself. So disorder causes crime, crime causes further disorder and crime and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because everybody's getting out, everybody believes it's not safe and off they go. And it all stems from this idea of what these broken windows uh, re represent. So those who support the broken windows theory, they argue that one of those signals is the, is the area's general appearance. In other words, um, an ordered environment or one that is safe has very little lawlessness, which sends the message that this neighborhood is routinely monitored and criminal acts are not tolerated. Now let that set in for just a minute. In our organizations and in our leadership, these little things that we overlook, these little things that we don't, we, I, I guess maybe we write it off as, well, that's just life or that's just who they are or whatever it may be, that we allow these things to take place. I've said this for years. Your culture becomes what you allow. Your culture becomes what you tolerate. You get what you tolerate. So if you tolerate it, you're going to get it. But you're not just going to get that. It's going to continue to perpetuate itself. Because if I learn that that's acceptable, I can now add my own dysfunction to it, and then it begins to spin out of control. On the other hand, a disordered environment or one that is not safe and contains visible acts of lawlessness, such as broken windows or graffiti plays into this, trash plays into this, that sends the message that this neighborhood is not routinely monitored and individuals will be much more likely to get away with committing a crime. So... Back to my conversation with my friend. How tolerant should leaders be if things done substandard? I know this guy well enough to know that his question had to do 
with the bigger projects, the bigger work, those, those kinds of things. Totally get it. But my thought process went a totally different direction. And when I said not very, to me, that was a substandard answer to the substandard question. So I don't think I can even go on and explain to you what happened below the surface with me until I first kind of explained to you some things that I personally believe about excellence and how this plays in to this whole situation. So let me first talk about excellence and, and I'm gonna lay the, the, the groundwork with this and then I'm gonna come back and I wanna share with you three below the surface questions that I think we have to answer that qualifies the we should not be very tolerant answer. All right, so here we go. First of all, to pursue excellence means that you might fail and you might fall short. If you are going to pursue excellence in any area of your life, there is a high chance, very high probability that you're going to fail and that you're going to fall short. Here's my question. Is it safe to do that in our organizations? When we say we want people to pursue excellence, we are now making way, and you got to understand that in the pursuit of excellence, I might fall short and I might fail. Are we willing to deal with that? And if we're not, I don't know that we could really say that we want people to pursue excellence. I think what we could say is, I want people to pursue mediocrity. Because if you're mediocre, you're probably not going to fail and you're probably not going to fall short. You see? <laughs> so in pursuing excellence, I have to understand, if I'm telling people this, that they're probably going to fail and they're probably going to fall short. So first and foremost, let that set We'll come back to that in a little bit. Here's the second one. Excellence has to be defined. What in the world does excellence even mean? And that's when he asked the question, should we, should leaders, how tolerant should leaders be of things done substandard? I said, not very tolerant at all. Then I thought, well, what does that even mean? Like, how are we going to define substandard? So now we're flipping that. How are we going to define excellence? Because excellence to you might not mean excellence to me. If broken windows is not substandard to you, then it's harder for me as a leader to push you to excellence because what does that even mean? So have we really defined excellence? And, and here's a subset of this. Excellence has to be pursued in the context of what I can control. So let me explain what I mean by this because th this, this, this gets a little controversial. And again, I'm, I am fully open to anybody unmuting themselves and giving a little pushback here or thoughts or whatever you may have. Excellence has to be defined, but it also has to be pursued in the context of what I can control. Now, uh, I, I coached high school football for a, a, a while. And for about six years, I had the responsibility of coaching running backs. And so, um, and so every year I would ask my running backs, okay, what's your goal? Let's set some goals for this year. What's your goal for this season? And if they're new and they don't know me, here's probably what they're going to say. Like any running back would say, so many yards. Like I had one, one year, a guy said, I want a thousand yards. And I said, okay, 
It's not a good goal. Why isn't it a good goal? Set that goal for a thousand yards, strive for the thousand yards. It's not a good goal. You're setting yourself up to potentially fail. Why? Because you have no control over that goal. Your pursuit of excellence in that goal is not, it's out of your control. You can't control that. One is we run a spread offense. You may not get the ball enough times to get your thousand yards. You see, now, if you're running, if you don't know football, this might not make sense, but if you're running like an I formation and it's, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, fine, and set that goal. That's not who we are. And so you setting that goal can set yourself up for failure. So let's pick a goal that you can have control over that now you can pursue excellence in. So the goal we finally came up with was yards per carry. Okay, you can control that. And not only can you control it, but now I can design drills to coach you in yards per carry. You see this? And again, if that language is odd, that means that every time he touches a ball, he can control how many yards he's going. Now, obviously that's a team sport and people got to play into that and blah, blah. But if you're running hard, you can control that. And so that's something you can work for. And when you're pursuing excellence, you're not pursuing excellence in the context of what you can control. How many times do we set goals for ourselves and for other people and we're setting goals to pursue excellence in a context that they or we cannot even control. You see? So we have to come back to this. What does excellence mean? How is that going to be defined in your life, in your leadership, and in your organizations? Here's the third one. Excellence is a journey. Sometimes I don't think we really completely get this. Excellence is a journey. I'm not so sure excellence is a destination. I don't know that you ever arrive at excellence. I think excellence is a journey. It is the constant pursuit of something great, the constant pursuit, the, the paying attention to all the little things, not just the big things, all the little things that, 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 that gets me there. Aristotle said this, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. Repeatedly. Consistency. You see this? This is why I believe that excellence is not a destination. It's a journey. It is the constant pursuit of what you do to get where you want to get. That's what's going to determine excellence. And it's a habit. It's something we're doing all the time. It's something that we're consistently pursuing, not just you did great on that project. You did great on that project and that kind of thing. I think it's something that we're, that, that, that we're constantly pursuing uh, uh, all the time, which is why I'm going to go ahead and say this, which is why I believe that the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s is still one of the greatest teams to ever play the game. I don't care if they won a Super Bowl or not. They were there four stinking times for crying out loud. Yeah, which... So the Cowboys won the Super Bowl year. twice in that era. We're winning and they haven't year. been back since. You see? <laughs> so, so listen, listen, man. I that's what I that now I this is just my belief on excellence. All right. I, I'm not, you don't have to believe that. This is what I believe. I think excellence is a habit, it's a consistent effort, and it's a journey. It is an absolute journey, not just simply 
um, a, a destination. So, all right, that said, let's go back now to this question. How tolerant should leaders be of things done substandard? All right, my answer was, well, not very. It is not, not very tolerant, period. It's not very tolerant, comma, but here are some questions that you have to ask if you're really gonna hold people accountable to excellence. And this is what began to mess with me. And so this is what the core of what I wanna to talk to you about today. And I wanna challenge you, especially if you're in a position of leadership in which you oversee people in a formal capacity, I wanna challenge you to think this through. And even if you're not, think this through in terms of your role on the team that you're on. So, all right, so some below the surface questions, I got three of them. First question is this, but why, why, why should we not be very tolerant of things done substandard? So it's easy to say, absolutely not. We should not be tolerant, but why should we not be tolerant? And I think this question has to be explored. So do I believe that things shouldn't be uh, substandard? because it's it bugs me because i want to save face uh because it's not my way and i'm telling you i know leaders who believe this now they're not going to say that but their actions indicate the reason we don't allow substandard is because it bothers me i'm not so sure that's good enough to motivate somebody to pursue excellence because it bothers you. So why? Is it about them? Do I really believe they can do better? Do I really believe that if they would just understand what they have and just understand what it means to pursue excellence in this, that it would just change the game for their life and their leadership and ultimately their families and their cultures and their teams and everything that goes around? Is it really about them or is it about me? Or here's the third one, is it about us and the team and the organization. So I get that you don't want to allow substandard behavior, and I agree with that, but why don't you want to allow it? And I think the answer and the motivation has to be more than just the fact that it bothers me or it's not right. I think we really have to get down and dirty about this and go, listen, here's the deal, man. If there are broken windows that are left unkept, it's going to have an influence throughout the organization. And so if we're going to pursue excellence in one area, we have to pursue excellence in every area. You see this? And we have to answer this question, why? Why am I not going to allow substandard behavior? Why am I not going to allow substandard uh, projects and substandard papers and whatever else is that your organization does. Why am I not going to allow that? And I think we have to wrestle with that question. And I think we have to answer that question in our heart of hearts. But I think as our teams, we got to sit around and have this conversation and go, okay, why are we not going to allow this? And so a little bit of this goes back for me. I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. It goes back to the middle blank issue we talked about on an episode almost a year ago. Um, that, that, that middle blank issue if they would pursue excellence, then blah, blah, blah. And I go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. But why is that so important? 
And is the outcome, does it even resonate with them of why it's important for them to pursue excellence? So I think this is a question that we have to pound out. And I think this is a question that we have to ask uh, ourselves and, 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 and get our, our teams involved. So question number one is, no, we should not allow substandard behavior. Question number one is, but why? Why should we not allow substandard behavior? Question number two, what about that as a leader are you owning? What are you allowing? Why are you allowing? Why are you not allowing? And what are you as a leader owning in that situation? You see, so there's some questions that come to mind. Um, are you helping them? Are you coaching them? Are you setting the are you setting the pace? Are you setting the standards for what pursuing excellence should look like? What are you owning? Because it's real easy to sit in an armchair and hold other people accountable to pursuing excellence and us all the while not pursuing excellence. Do they see me pursuing excellence? So what part of that can you own? What part of that is yours to really put into play? And, and in this conversation, you know, again, with um, uh, my friend, we expanded on that a little bit um, and begin to identify people and leaders and coaches who want to push teams for excellence, but the coach themselves is really not pursuing excellence, you see? And so I've got to set the pace. If I'm going to push, I've got to play it. And so I've got to be the one to go, okay, listen, this is where we're going. I'm not always going to get it right. Remember this. In the pursuit of excellence, I could fall short or I could fail. I know that. So where, how do I respond to that? You see? So, um, and I, and I, so, but for me, I've got to continue to push. But for me, I've got to continue to be the one that's going to set the pace. So um, here's another piece of that. Is the environment even safe for them to pursue excellence? And what happens when a person is nervous about making mistakes, they're probably going to make mistakes. You see? So do I let them know, hey, it's okay. You're going to fail. You're going to screw it up every now and then. But it's the constant pursuit of excellence. You see, excellence doesn't mean it's not a, it's not a destination. It doesn't mean I arrived with no mistakes. It means that even when I screwed it up, I continued to push in that direction. So that's why I wanted to share all this excellent stuff with you first, because it comes into play you know, way below the surface of these questions. So question number one is, no, we should not uh, allow substandard, but why? Question number two is, what about that are you owning? And question number three, is excellence a part of our culture? Now, I have seen this too many times to be comfortable that there are leaders, coaches, parents, that want everybody else to pursue excellence, but it is not a part of the overall culture of the organization or of the team. This has to be part of who we are and who we aspire to be. The constant pursuit of wow. The constant pursuit of wow. And we have to pursue wow and excellence literally in every part of the organization. Is this part of the culture? Are we talking about it? Are we living it? 
Are we encouraging it? Are we rewarding it? Are we coaching it? This has to become part of the culture. What do great companies do? Great companies have this relentless pursuit of wow in everything that they do, in everything that they do. Uh, I'm talking the emails that they send, the communication that they have, uh, the way they the way they hold people accountable, their whole coaching process, um, customer service, the relentless pursuit of wow in customer service, the relentless pursuit of excellence in customer service. That has to trickle throughout the entire organization. And when it doesn't become part of the culture, then it doesn't make sense to start holding people accountable to substandard behavior or communication or you know whatever whatever it may be. Um, you got to get below the surface on this stuff. And that's why I was very uncomfortable with my initial answer. I felt like, it, again, it was a substandard answer to the substandard question of, no, we should not allow substandard behavior. But why? What are we owning? And is this a part of the culture? So how do you make this part of the culture? I and mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think as a team, you talk about excellence, you talk about wow, and you talk about every single part of your organization that you can pursue that in. I think you, you, you read books together about uh, teams and organizations that are excellent and pursuing excellence. Um, I think you understand the development process to get where you want to get. I think you watch videos, you bring people in, you do whatever, you take field trips, you do whatever you got to do to make this relentless pursuit of excellence part of the culture and when it's not then you're probably going to get substandard behavior and people will be shocked to know that you actually are trying to hold them accountable to that so how do we do this why do we do this it has to all feed in to who we are as an organization and to who we are uh, as a leader and i think that's what these teams you know going back to the sports analogy i think that's what these teams do I don't think they tolerate substandard. Um, and I think the teams that do, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't respect very much. The teams that don't, it runs through every part of the organization. So all three of those questions run deep below the surface. And that to me is the bigger answer to the substandard question.